0: Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of one to three dollars. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. anywhere but here jenny harper was a pillhead she wasn't always as bad as she was now she used to be a stripper over at a seedy bar called the beaver dam the owner was tugger smalls his real name was bartholomew tugger was just what everybody called him one would think that running a strip joint he could get all the action he wanted But he couldn't, because the girls he had danced for him wouldn't. So he had to take care of his own needs, which were exacerbated by a steady presence of nude girls. Hence the name Tugger. Smalls wasn't small. He was a fat, sweaty, bulging man. He was real proud of the name of his bar. If he met someone who hadn't heard of his place already, he would always explain it to them. You know the girls I got, they go full new. Walk into my place you'd be like look at all that beaver, damn. That's how good it is, plus you know, beavers make damn, so uh along with her stripping, Jenny would service customers out in the back for side money. Tugger didn't know about it, and Jenny liked it that way for two reasons. She didn't want to have to service Tugger, and she didn't want to get fired though by now she figured she probably was. Ever since hooking up with Francis and moving in with him, she hadn't had to work or service anybody. Anybody but Francis, of course. For the application of her particular set of skills, Francis let her live in the trailer, gave her money, and didn't hassle her about how she was. All which left plenty of time for the pills. She made Francis score whatever he could from the base pharmacy where he worked, and for that Francis got laid on a regular basis. Jenny stared at three white tablets in the palm of her hand. She had no idea what they were and didn't much care. With a fuck it and a swig of stale beer, down they went. Jenny pulled the blanket tighter around her neck and drifted off to sleep on a ratty, threadbare sofa. She didn't hear Frances car pull up, but the slamming front door made her jump wide awake. God damn it, Francis, I'm trying to get my beauty rest here, you piece of shit, she said. She was about to drift off again, but Francis stomping through the trailer wouldn't allow it. After several seconds she sat up and sighed. Jenny looked over at a jumble of empty pill bottles and threw off her blanket. The pills she had just taken were beginning to have some effect on her and made her slow and unsteady on her feet. She saw Francis tromp down the hall to the bedroom, so she shuffled after him. She stood in the doorway and stared at the back of Francis' head. I need some more pills, she said. She stood there, waiting. Francis did not turn around. He grunted and huffed as he rummaged through his nightstand by the side of the unmade bed. When she did not get the response she was looking for, Jenny walked up behind him. Did you hear me, man? I need some more fucking pills. Francis stood up straight but did not turn around. The back of his uniform shirt was wet with perspiration. Jenny grabbed his arm and spun him around. Look, you want to get laid every night. I need my pills. Pe- the words caught in her throat as Francis stared at her with feral eyes. Jenny swallowed hard and took a step back. Francis watched her movements, then began to advance on her. Grabbing her by the shoulders, he pushed her hard, and she fell. Before she could get away, he was on her. She tried to fight him off, but he slipped his hands around her throat and began to squeeze. Jenny coughed and gagged as Francis brought his mouth down close to hers. She could feel the hot breath pumping out of him, She tried to scream but did not have enough air. Jenny turned her head and this time the scream did come as Francis clamped down, biting her hard on the lobe of her right ear. The pain sent adrenaline coursing through her system and she bucked under him. Her knee came up and slammed into his balls. The breath wheezed out of Francis and his strength failed him. Feeling his hands go slack, Jenny shoved him off her, jumped up and ran down the hall. Francis didn't own the trailer. He just rented it from a convicted sex offender named Leroy Delacroix who thought the fact his first and last name rhymed was the coolest thing in the world. Leroy ran the trailer park for his mother. He rented the trailer to Francis and told him on more than one occasion, I get you trying to pull a twofer, i run your skinny government issue ass right out of here. To keep his twofer a secret, whenever Leroy would come by to collect the rent, or do one of his snap inspections. Something sailor boys I'll be used to. Francis would make Jenny climb through an access panel in the kitchen floor and hide under the trailer. It was hidden under a round throw rug when Francis moved in, and he doubted Leroy even knew it was there. It was his mother's trailer park after all. Jenny stumbled into the kitchen and towards the front door. She grabbed the doorknob and flung it open, then turned. Racing back into the kitchen, she pulled the rug away and opened the panel in the floor. She climbed down underneath the trailer, and as she lowered the panel, reached around and tugged the rug over it. Near total darkness descended on her, the only light streaming in from cracks and holes in the trailer's underpinning. She pulled her knees to her chest and listened for any sign that Frances was giving chase. Above her, all was quiet. In the bedroom, Francis lay on his back, staring at the ceiling. He felt like he was awakening from a dream, a dream in which his balls hurt very badly. He could not quite recollect what had just happened. All he knew for sure was he had to get away, that something had happened that had scared the shit out of him and that they would probably come after him. He looked over and saw his wallet under the bed. He grabbed it, then sat straight up. Catching his breath, Francis stood and walked down the hall, through the kitchen, and out of the trailer. He got in his car and headed for the small airport near the trailer park. Francis Del had a flight to catch, to anywhere but here. All in, minus one. Attack teams, be advised. Target Alpha has fled the domicile. New location is commuter airport adjacent. Hotel, you are in transit with Dr. Krenner? Colonel Bennett's voice crackled over the team leader's headset. Affirmative, command. Team leader Hotel called back. Break off and reconnoiter the domicile. Secure any and all tangents, lay the foundation, and then head to the airport for assist." Colonel Bennett said. Roger, command, out, the team leader said. The updates squawked across the comm links of the various attack teams. The helicopters swooped over the trailer park and headed for the airport. In the distance, coming like a single black snake, the four 18-wheelers swerved onto an access road and headed for the small trailer park. Jenny had watched Francis through a small hole in the trailer's vinyl skirting. She had waited several minutes to be sure he wasn't coming back. The quiet bolstered her confidence, and she was about to make her way back up through the hatch in the floor when she was startled by the rapid approach of a long black 18-wheeler. She ducked down as it came to a skidding, dusty stop in the middle of the park. The back doors flew open and soldiers in combat gear and wearing gas masks piled out. No sooner had one truck disgorged its militant cargo than three other identical trucks did the same. Half quickly formed a perimeter around the park. The rest broke off into twos and began kicking in the doors of the other trailers. Jenny watched in horror as the soldiers dragged out whoever they found inside them, pushing them unceremoniously toward the 18-wheelers. She almost screamed as she watched two of the soldiers move toward her. Corporal Baker, make sure nobody is in there. I want it safe and sound for the dock. Gomez, check under the trailer. We don't miss anybody, team leader said. The men moved quickly. Baker kicked in the door and ducked inside. Jenny listened as the soldier called Gomez knelt down and began prying up a piece of the skirting twenty feet down from her. Only once had Leroy made the effort of looking under the trailer after issuing his warning to Francis. Jenny had fooled him by climbing up into an empty space between the sagging insulation and the floor of the trailer above her. Trying to be as quiet as she could, She squeezed herself into the space. She pulled her foot in just as Gomez shined his light under the trailer. Several tense seconds passed, in which she thought the soldier was never going to stop looking. The light danced under her, casting shadows that seemed to toy with her. Finally, she heard the vinyl skirting snap back down, and the light was gone. Only when she heard the soldier give the all clear did she allow herself to breathe. The plastic created an oppressive bubble of heat, and the fluffy insulation threatened to send her into a coughing spell and made her want to scratch the skin off her body. As quietly as she could, she eased herself back down to the ground. Holding still, she listened as footsteps creaked above her. She almost yelped when she thought about the rug over the hatch in the floor. Was it covered enough? If someone were to open it, they would almost certainly see her. She held her breath again as she heard the footsteps draw closer to the kitchen. Corporal Baker kept his M16 tight to his shoulder, his index finger pressed against the trigger guard. Where his head moved, so moved the rifle's barrel. From room to room, he cleared the trailer. Satisfied, he lowered his rifle and trumped back outside and gave the thumbs up. Good to go! Baker, you and Gomez go help secure the perimeter. Doc, you're up! the team leader said. Dr. Krenner, donned in a hazmat suit and gas mask, climbed down from the back of the 18-wheeler and walked over to the trailer. In his hand, he carried an eye cam. The improved chemical agent monitor could be set to sample air quality as well as scan surfaces for droplets. Dr. Krenner's monitor was set to scan for just one substance. He activated the monitor and stepped into the trailer." Inside, Dr. Krenner looked around. He crinkled his nose in disgust at the squalor of the place. He scanned the kitchen and the adjoining den area for presence of the agent, but found nothing. He proceeded down the hall and entered the bedroom. He scanned the ceiling, the walls, the bed. The eye was silent. No sooner had he begun to scan the floor than an alarm sounded on the monitor. He walked over and saw three droplets of blood on the floor. Kneeling down, he moved the scanner away from the drops, and the alarm silenced. A second pass over the blood triggered the alarm once more. A further scan of the room yielded no other presence of the agent. Dr. Krenner rose and left the bedroom to go report his findings. He took seriously the threats from his military overseers that the project was just one decision away from being terminated. This debacle would be the death knell of all he had tried to do. He shuffled to a stop in the kitchen. Gazing about the squalid trailer, he took a slow step towards the door, when he noticed the blood. Two drops on the floor. It was then that he noticed the rug in the kitchen, which almost, but not quite completely, covered an access panel. He knelt down and pulled the rug away. What he saw made him stumble backwards. Taking several long seconds, he leaned forward and pulled up the hatch. There were two simultaneous gasps, his and the haggard, bone-thin wisp of a girl staring up at him. The two studied each other, she begging with her eyes, he studying and analyzing with his. He did not fail to notice her ear, and the wound, and the blood. She moved to bolt from the trailer, but he stayed her with a gesture of his hands. He removed his mask and smiled at her, trying to calm her, reassure her. Dr. Krenner looked to the front door. He could see the team leader standing with his back to the trailer. He was waiting for the doctor to do his work, having no idea really what that was or how long it would take. He was there to follow orders. Dr. Krenner looked back to the girl. Here was his life's work, passed on. To say nothing meant it would be unleashed. It wasn't perfect, and it wasn't complete. But he knew that it would adapt. To report what he found would terminate all of that. He would be given no chance to continue his work in the lab after today. Why should the work, as imperfect and incomplete as it was, not be allowed to try on its own in the world. Dr. Krenner made a decision and sealed it with a whisper.